pandemic, trauma inflicted by repeated police killings of black people, and a shortage of mental health workers are resulting in higher rates of suicide and suicide attempts among black youth. Mental illness is like very serious out here. So what warning signs should parents and peers look for? What resources are available to help young people struggling with depression and other mental health issues? We'll discuss it all tonight as we examine suicide and black youth prevention and intervention. Good evening, everyone. We apologize for the uh, late start. We were having some technical difficulties, but we got things started. I, I really appreciate you joining me for this all-important conversation here. So welcome to NBC6 Voices on our Facebook and YouTube pages. I am Jawan Strader. Well, tomorrow is World Suicide Prevention Day. It's a day designed to inform and engage health professionals and the general public about the warning signs of suicide and suicide prevention. New research shows an alarming rise in young black people attempting suicide. A study commissioned by the Congressional Black Caucus shows in recent years, self-reported suicide attempts by black teens increased by 73 percent. The rate decreased for white teens. Black children younger than 13 were twice as likely to die by suicide than white children. So joining us for this all-important conversation, we have Philip Wells. He is a therapist and a high school counselor coach. Coach Wells is what we're going to call him. He is the CEO of the Players Coach and a therapist at DRT Behavioral Services. That is Dr. Delvina Thomas's practice. We've had her on the show a few times before. You may recognize the name. Also joining us, we have Siobhan Winnell. She is Bryce Gowdy's mother. And you may remember last year, a 17-year-old took his own life. We're going to talk more about that. And Camila Robinson was Bryce's girlfriend. And a little bit more about Bryce Gowdy. He was a talented and a very popular athlete with a promising football career ahead of him. He was just days away from starting his football scholarship at Georgia Tech, but it was not to be compounding the tragedy. One of Gowdy's closest friends, Alexis Jane Marion, took her own life just weeks after Gowdy's death. Now, the two shared the same birthday, and they had plans for a future that was cut short. And so I really welcome you. Thank you guys for joining me for this all-important conversation. I really appreciate it. And Siobhan, let's talk, start with you as, as Bryce's mother. And I just want to ask you, first and foremost, how are you doing tonight? How are you doing? Uh, I'm very anxious right now, <laughs> but I'm doing okay. I'm, I'm pulling myself together slowly but surely. It's taking time. Amen. And, and Camilla, how are you doing? I'm doing fine. I'm just trying to balance life and classes right now. Amen. Camilla, how old are you? I'm 19. You're 19. So you're still you're still a teenager, even though you're a young woman. You're still a teenager in a sense. Yeah. <laughs> well, Siobhan, I do want to talk about the seriousness with suicide. And, and I, I just want to ask you, were there any warning signs at all that you noticed? Yes, um, I would say uh, depression. There was definitely signs of depression. I believe the depression kicked in after Bryce broke his leg. Uh, it was the game after home homecoming game his junior year. And then, you know, he's, we started, everything started getting better. He started picking up and then going through the recruitment process uh, that also, I, I believe, caused a bit of anxiety and depression. 
and then he suffered a severe concussion uh, on August 7th. And uh, I, his behavior, you know, started changing after that. There was definitely signs of depression after that. And, um, and then there was, as a student athlete, there were other things that were happening that were not really signs of suicide, but definitely signs of like, you know, some mental, whether it's mental health issues, mm -hmm. or, you know, I, I didn't get him in to see a therapist soon enough to find out what was going on, but there were other signs that didn't really align with depression and suicide. But uh, in my research after the loss of Bryce, I discovered it did align with uh, a CTE concussion. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Wow. And, you know, it's interesting because when you think football, you wonder about CTE because we've heard the stories before. We've heard of like Junior Seau, uh, who, who passed away, took his own life. Um, in football, and he was talking about the fact that he had had a concussion since concussion since he was maybe uh, in junior high school. Mm -hmm. And so to talk about how that may have played a part along with the depression and everything else is interesting. And what about the pressure of just being uh, a star athlete? Was he under pressure? Because everybody would be like, oh, no, he had it made. He had he had the colleges after him. He had a he had a full ride. Right. Well, um, I, I think for Bryce, if you have to really know Bryce to know what football meant for him. Uh, I know, as a matter of fact, I was talking to one of his friends late last night, and she was like, you know, I asked a lot of the football players, you know, how they feel if they get injured or don't make it in football, and they, they always respond to me and say, don't, don't speak bad on my name, and don't, don't say that, like you're a hater. She said, but when she asked Bryce that question, Bryce told her that the NFL is just a platform for him, for him to do bigger and greater things. And so if you knew Bryce, uh, you'd have to know that football was a was a platform for him to discuss the other issues and to yeah. change in the other issues that he wanted to make change in. Mm -hmm. Amen. And and before we go on, and I and, and I of course I continue the interview with my next question. I want to make sure that everyone knows out there that we are providing resources here for you. Anytime we talk about mental health, anytime we talk about suicide prevention, we want to make sure that you know that there is help available for you. So you're going to see a crawl at the bottom of your screen. We're going to keep it up the whole show for this 30 minutes. It's the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline number 1-800-273-8255. And you also see the website to go on to it as well. We want to make sure you know about it. I'm going to keep on throwing that number out there throughout the night, because if you need someone to listen to you, if you are struggling with some sort of mental health issues or depression, we want you to know there is always someone there available for you to talk to. And so Siobhan, I have to ask you, was he talking to anyone? Do you know, uh, was he sharing his thoughts of depression uh, with anyone? Um, uh, did he or, or was he afraid about doing that? There's a stigma attached to mental health uh, that's in the black community. Well, did he do that? Did he do it enough? Uh, he spoke to everybody that I I could think of. Um, in in after losing Bryce, I had an opportunity to speak to a lot of his friends, a lot of his classmates, and he was pretty vocal about the things that were bothering him, the, 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 he was vocal about how he felt, about the process that he was going through, the recruitment process. Um, and even with the recruiting coaches, Bryce was very open and vulnerable about how he felt during the process. So um, 
yeah, I would say he spoke to everyone. And and we were in the process of getting help. It wasn't that we, we weren't in the process of getting help. The school was fully aware of, you know, what we were going through. The coaches were all fully aware of what we were going through. It just help didn't come in time. Wow. Well, Camille, I want to come to you next because you you were Bryce's girlfriend. So yes, did you did you notice did you notice changes? Uh, did he talk to you a lot about what he was going through, about the depression uh, and, and everything else? What what did he tell you? Well, a few days before he was acting a little different, but he was still telling me everything that was going on, like things that he were thinking. He even sent me some of the videos that had caught his attention the past the last few days that he was here. And we talked, he told me most of what was on his mind, but it was never like he never told me things like what he was planning on doing and that would lead up to what happened. No, I knew everything that was going on through his head with the whole recruitment process. And I knew how he felt about the colleges and leaving his family, but it was never like I knew what to do to prevent anything that would that happen. Was this all new to you as well? I mean, you're you're a teenager at you know, especially at that time. Did you know about the resources out there available? Did you even know what to say to him uh, when he's telling you about some of the things and what he's experiencing? Honestly, no. Um, uh, in my age group and a lot of people that I know, we've, we all know someone or was someone who suffered um, mental illness and things like that, but it was never on the scale of going and taking our own lives. So I honestly didn't have any resources. I didn't know what to tell him. And even his last few days, I, our conversations were a little strange because I didn't know what to say to him. You didn't know what to say to him. Yeah, because he was showing me a lot of the, the videos he was showing me. It were there were things that we had talked about before, like spirituality and things like that. But it was never like he would never show me these videos that he was watching. We had these conversations, but not yeah. like. Wow, and and I, Siobhan, I see you shaking your head right now. Did you notice some of these same things as well that were just different? Absolutely, and so like she said, how he was sharing a lot of things about spirituality and he was also sharing, you know, how he felt about the process that he was going through. Um, that was, that's very much true, but Bryce was also forward talking. He was talking about decorating his dorm room. He was talking about can't mm -hmm. get to Georgia Tech. And in hindsight, I honestly believe that the reason why he did that is because we, we as a family already had experience with suicide ideation. Oh, wow. And I feel as though because we went through, we went through about seven years of therapy as a family. We just left there wow. in 2017. And I believe that we had learned all the skills to recognize suicide ideations and suicide attempts. Cause Bryce was, you know, going like, like Cammy said, there's in their friend group, there are friends that have been dealing with um, mental health issues. And Bryce was definitely that friend that a lot of them turn to for, you know, that type of guidance. And so I believe that he had the skills and he knew that uh, like our family, my sons, Brayden and Brasai and myself, we all had the skills to identify people who are speaking or may have suicide ideations, paying attention to them saying things like, I wish I wasn't here or. Yeah. 
And so he was very, very adamant about speaking about the future, speaking about our dreams and our goals, not just his dreams and goals, but our dreams and goals as a family as well. So I think that is, he, I, I believe he purposely threw everybody off by doing that. Oh my goodness. And, and Coach Wells, I want to bring you into this conversation. You have been patiently listening uh, with everything that we've been talking about, but this is a trend in the black community that we have been seeing that continues to grow. What's behind this trend? Yeah, so in in my experience, one thing that makes young black people more predisposed to things like suicide is this thing called ACEs, right? ACEs stands for Advanced Childhood Experiences. And basically this is some of the, the trauma and the stress that maybe a young person would experience that truly does have the ability to affect their mental, their emotional, and everything's uh, such like that. Uh, I think one of the best examples of how ACEs can affect someone is when you think about the Khalif Browder story, right? So if, if anyone doesn't know who that is, you can definitely look it up on YouTube, or I'm sorry, Netflix. And this was a guy who was, you know, allegedly accused of, you know, robbing or stealing a backpack, whatever the case it may be. And he was sentenced to, to jail. He spent three years on Rikers Island, right? And out of those three years, two of those years he spent in solitary confinement, right? Some would say that was a very adverse childhood experience. I believe yeah. he was around the age of 17. And when he left prison, he, he wasn't the same. He ended up hearing voices, uh, started feeling things, seeing things. And as a result, he took his life, right? And that's kind of on an extreme level, but our youth are experiencing things at a younger age than what I would have experienced when I was growing up. You know, I couldn't turn to Instagram or YouTube or whatever it is and see one getting their life taken from them, right? I could escape the pressures of school or, you know, there's bullying, I could escape that stuff, right? I could right. escape these things and be at home. But now with the access of whether it's social media or other things, our youth unfortunately are exposed to things at such a young age. That's true. And that's true. And, and let's talk about some of those things that they're exposed to and its impact. Because right now, the youth, they're seeing a lot more. They're talking, we're seeing COVID-19 and its impact, not only on adults, but also on youth as well. Uh, they're also seeing um, black people being killed on social media, black people being killed um, unjustly on social media. And they're seeing all these things and these pressures. All of this is, are, are all these part of what is causing that trend? Yes, yes. So it, it truly does go back to the saying when some people get the, the cold, black people get the flu. Right. And we see that with COVID. Uh, we see that with um, back in 08 with the with the Great Recession. Right. Um, so many things are attributing to that. So when when we are affected as a country, unfortunately, black people and communities of color, they feel it the worst. And also it takes us the longest to come out of those situations. Mm -hmm. So particularly at the school that I'm working with, we have several kids who have lost, lost parents to COVID, right? And you have to think about what that does to the household, not only emotionally, yeah. but financially as well, especially if it's the father. And I've been seeing that a lot. So when these things happen, we have to, we have to really truly be ready to, to handle these kids, you know, put on the gloves and really help them out when these things occur. Because if a, if a safety plan is not in place, then unfortunately it's, it's very hard to make sure that they are able to, to get back to, you know, pre-functioning pre levels, so. Okay, well, Coach Wells, before I go back to Siobhan 
and Camilla, I want to know what are some of the signs that parents can look out for? Yeah, yeah. So um, I always say the first thing you have to know is you have to know your student, right? You have to know your son, your daughter, or whatever the case it may, it may be. So that you know if they're acting different in any type of way, you can point it out. So this may be something like a, such as, you know, um, isolating themselves, right? Or maybe they're experiencing with drugs and alcohol, right? Uh, maybe they're being a little bit more irritable, right? But some things that are definitely key signs is if they're giving away prized possessions. If they're coming up to you mm -hmm. and saying, hey, I love you. Thank you for the, all that you've done for me, right? Almost as a way of saying wow. it as if they're never gonna be there, right? That's a red flag. And again, it may not be a red flag if your if you're a student, your son, daughter is constantly saying that, then that wouldn't be a red flag. But if that's something that they never said, like, hey, what's up? You know, it's okay to have those conversations, right? Also, if they have a plan, right? Or if they're researching ways to actually die, right? Uh, these are things that are definitely some of the, the warning signs. But one of the biggest thing that I find with the kids that I work with, I mean, you know, with all the parents listening, I, I do want them to, to notice or, or hear this. A lot of times when a student is suicidal, me as a school counselor, I'm maybe the third or fourth person to hear it. Kids often tell their friends or those around them before they tell their parents because they don't want to feel like a burden. So one of the biggest signs in, in, in combination with all of those is if they feel like a burden, right? Oh, I don't want to bother you. I don't want to worry you. Things like that. That's definitely a warning sign. And, and what about social media? You kind of touched on it a little bit about social media, but um, should, as a parent, should we be paying attention to what our kids are searching on social media as well? Yeah, you know, I, I think so. You know, um, I, th I think you definitely want to give them a leash, you know, um, but I definitely think we should be watching because um, ironically, I just had a, um, a session today with, with a student and I asked them about suicide and they say, yeah, like I, I see it on social media a lot. A lot of students are posting it wow. you know, as wow. you know, stories or whatever the case may be, because that's a that's the one place they can vent. That's the one place where they can kind of be who they are. Right. Um, and. and not really feel judged, right? Uh, they kind of just want to just get it out, right? So, like I said, the parents, uh, the staff at the school, you know, sometimes we're we're not the first to to hear about this. So, I definitely think you should probably keep somewhat of an of an eye on that. And again, I want to urge anyone out there, if you are watching right now, if you are sharing this with any of your friends, remember, there is the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline number that you can call 1-800-273-8255. You can also log online at suicidepreventionlifeline.org, hashtag or slash chat if you would like to chat with them. And Siobhan, let, let's talk about how you are honoring your son. Uh, what is it that you decided to do to honor his memory? I can't say that I decided to do it. <laughs> because, uh, like a, a, a lot of his, Bryce's friends came to me I, within 24 hours of wow. Loss of Bryce. They were like, "If you plan to do anything in Bryce's honor, please let me know because I want to be involved. I want to help." Uh, but I was very emotional and not able to really focus on that at that time. And even after laying Bryce to rest, it was still very difficult. Uh, shortly thereafter, we lost TJ in a murder, um, and then we lost Alexis. Yes. I would say that Alexis is what triggered us to finally, or triggered me to finally get up and do something, because everyone was kind of waiting on me. <laughs> but uh, I, after Alexis, um, and, and talking to Alexis' parents, and, and seeing that 
whereas I was in the process of trying to get mental health services, they already were receiving mental health services, but it wasn't really giving them the services that they really needed. And I felt like because Bryce had the platform, his story had gotten the platform previously, I needed to finally speak up. And then from there, um, a lot of the community activists and leaders and just amazing people from the community started coming up with really amazing ideas to you know, do things to help our youth, our young people uh, heal from the loss of their friends. And the more they dropped ideas, the more the youth got angry and were like, nobody's listening to us. So oh. I was like, okay, you know what? Let's go ahead and create the foundation and That's you guys right. can run it. The, the youth are gonna run it. So that way you have a voice, you know, and you have a platform where your voices will be heard. And, and we have it right here for all of those youth. If you are watching this, uh, even if you're not a youth, if, if you're an adult, you're watching this right now and you want to check out or give back to the foundation. Here it is on your screen, BriceGowdy.com. You could check it out. Uh, all the information is there. And so, Camilla, let's talk about you. I mean, are adults listening enough? Are they are they listening enough to the youth? I mean, are they you know, lending their ear enough to the youth and what's going on? I mean, there are times, but then again, you know, there's that saying, it's about the people you know. You know, we don't know a lot of people because we're still in school, we're young. We need those connections. That's why I'm really grateful for the foundation because we have our mentors and our mental health profession professionals and our doctors who are helping us, you know, navigate and run the foundation because, you know, it's our first time. Not a lot of us know how to run a foundation. And I have to ask you, I know, I know you're 19, so I hate to put you on a spot here. What advice do you have? What advice do you have for out there, out there for other teams that may be going through issues or struggling? They're dealing with, man, everything. COVID-19, social media, their families different things in their life that they feel that may cause them to be depressed. What advice do you have for them? Well, one of the most important things to remember is that you're not alone. There are a lot of people who are feeling the same thing. It, maybe even your closest friends who are feeling the same thing. If you just talk to them and let them know that you're there for them, there are people there for you, for you to talk to them. So just always remember that. I love that. Camilla, I, I love that. That is great advice. And uh, Siobhan, I have to ask you as, as a mother, um, as a parent, what advice do you have out there for the parents that are watching this that may be listening? Uh, listen to your children. Um, you know, I, I thought I was listening, but I feel as though maybe if I had listened, I would have read more between the lines. Um, so even when you think you're listening to your children, really take the time to sit back and, and listen to your children. I've also came across some uh, things that taught me about empathic listening, and I feel like that has definitely helped me with conversations with my, my two remaining sons, Brayden and Brisai. Amen. And, and Coach Wells, tell us about the Suicide Safety Plan app. Yeah, yeah. So this is actually an app that I give all my clients who, if not have current suicidal ideations, they have had it in the past. And this is an app where you can personalize it to fit your needs, meaning you can put in, put in what, what is your warning signs for suicide. You can put in what are your coping mechanisms, your people to talk to, places that you can go, right, that make you feel less stressed, right? And also, and probably one of the most important ones or things on there is that you can put reasons why you should live, right? 
These are mm -hmm. all things that you can put on that app and it's right there in your phone. So if you do feel right the urge to maybe you know harm yourself or take your own life, you can review that and kind of you know remind yourself of why you need to be here, right? In addition to all that, it has the suicide hotline that's on the bottom of the screen on there as well. And also it has locations of the nearby hospitals and urgent care mm -hmm. places where you can go if you do need to get that help. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a great app. I, I use it for all my clients. I like that. And I think that's a very important app to have and to use. Uh, Coach Wells, I have to ask you, is are triggers. I, I never really touched on triggers out there that may be triggers for those that may be depressed, uh, especially our youth. You know, there's a lot of pressure on them. Uh, and, you know, there there's sometimes the example of, you know, young black men out there being told to man up, to man up, to be a man. And you know what? As a parent, I'm still growing as a parent. As a father, I'm still working on trying to be the best father I can be. But Again, it's still a work in progress. I can never be the best father. I just try to become the best father. I want to make sure that I'm not hurting my, my daughter or my son when I say certain things. What examples can you give as far as what maybe not to say or things to remember not to do as a parent? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think the best thing that you do is take the time to listen, right? Um, I think a lot of times people are so quick to uh, give solutions, right? And as a therapist, right, you when you're so quick to give solutions, you may run into actually, you know, totally missing the, the the problem or the reason why they came to see you. And actually, it could probably come off as a little offensive, right? So you definitely want to take the time to to listen, right? Um, actually, there's this uh, this um, uh, this thing called algae, right? Algae is uh, A L G E E, and it stands for um, you know, assessing. So the A stands for assessing. You want to make sure that you assess. And you ask your your, your student or your um, child, like, hey, like, how are you doing? You know, are you you know hurting? Are you feeling down? Are you feeling sad? So on and so forth, right? Uh, the L in algae stands for. You want to make sure that you're listening, non-judgmental, right? So that's again just taking the time to really listen to hear everything that they're saying before you give any opinions, right? Let them know that you hear them, and that's that empathy piece, right? Also, you want to make sure you give them reassurance. So a lot of times your kids, they will go through struggles, right? We all do. But I think what they're looking for when they come to you is the fact that, hey, like, even though I'm going through these struggles, I'm still worthy. I'm still worthy of your praise. I'm still worthy of your love, right? And I don't want to disappoint you. And I think that's one of the biggest things or the biggest reasons why a lot of kids don't go to their parents. They, they, they fear that they're going to let them down, right? They feel ashamed, right? The other thing is the E part. So you want to encourage to seek professional help. So mm. I know that we're parents. Uh, I'm a school counselor and also a therapist. Uh, but if my family members are going through something, you know, I'm going to trust that a trained licensed therapist can probably provide some some help or some some tips that maybe I can't really provide. Right. And then the last part, the, the last E in that you want to encourage self-help. You want to make sure you give them a sense of agency. And sense of agency just basically means that, hey, you have the ability to control your life. You have the ability to you know, control maybe some of the, the negative things that are going on. You can turn them into a positive. Right. You want to give them all these uh, ways to encourage them. And actually, algae is uh, a quick little tip about mental health first aid. So that's a great thing that anybody, whether you're a parent, teacher, um, coach, whoever.
And, and, and real fast, the last question for you, Coach Wells, is uh, basically what can people do, though, if they feel that they can't, you know, afford a therapist or they're on a tight budget and they're like, hey, man, you're talking about getting a therapist that costs money. I can't afford that for my family. Yeah. Yeah. This is actually my favorite question to answer. So let's start off with uh, K through 12. You can uh, contact your school and ask to speak to um, the family therapist. Every school in Broward County has a family therapist. That's totally wow. free. The kid can see them and the family. After that, you want to um, call your insurance agency and ask them, do I have any free insurance or any free uh, mental health sessions? Right. Some in, some insurance plans gives you free sessions. Right. Um, another thing is uh, the, the local universities. So Nova University and Bear University, they give out free or reduced therapy sessions. Right. So not only the students there, but to the community. So uh, definitely want to check those out. And then the last thing. I would say it's BetterHelp. BetterHelp is an online resource where you can get virtual counseling from anywhere from 40 to maybe $70 a week. So those are just some quick ones real quick. Yeah. And 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 that Suicide Safety Plan app, just so folks know, if you are interested in it, you can always go to Apple um, or Android. It's available there by download. And so, of course, I want to make sure that uh, our two guests get the final word here. And I'm going to start with you, uh, Siobhan. What's the biggest thing that you want uh, the youth out there to take from this discussion when it comes to suicide and suicide prevention? Um, that you matter, that your life matters, and that it, it definitely does get better. <laughs> and that we need you here. We need, we need you guys here for sure. So... Thank you. And and Camilla, of course, I know I'm going to put you on the spot again, but you are the teen here. So you, to me, you have the loudest voice, uh, you know, for, for everyone. And what's the most important thing that you want uh, teens and parents to take away from this conversation so we don't have anyone else out there taking their life from suicide? That's crazy. I was thinking the same thing that Ms. Siobhan was saying. I was going to say it gets greater later. You know, fight the fight the fight, and just know that there are people who will listen to you. People who are out there just like you, who are going through maybe the same thing, and that if you fight the fight, you might see you will see better days. Amen, Camilla. Thank you so much, Siobhan. Thank you. God bless you. And again, my heart goes out to you and your family as well. And Coach Wells. Great information that you just provided for us. I really appreciate you. And again, if you would like to learn more from Coach Wells, you could go to the playerscoach.net right there. The information is on your screen. And remember, here it is, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline number, 1-800-273-8255. Be sure to go right there. If you have any questions, if you just want to talk to someone, there is someone there to listen. You heard from Camilla. You heard from Siobhan. And um, there's always someone there to listen. Don't feel that you're not worthy because you are. She said, you are not alone. That's something that Camilla said. Remember that. Thank you, everyone out there so much for watching this very important conversation on suicide and suicide prevention, especially in our black youth. Please let me know what you thought about today's show. You can follow me at JawanNBC6 on Instagram, also on Twitter. Let me know your thoughts. Or you can comment right here on our Facebook or YouTube page. Thank you so much. We hope that you took something from this conversation. Have a great evening. And remember, education is the key to success. If you believe, you will achieve.
Have a great evening. Good night. Good night. Good night.